We've been doing a series as a church that we've called uh, Simply Follow Me, looking at the challenges that Jesus presents in following him that in a lot of ways are they're, they're simple concepts. And yet as we wrestle with exercising them, we realise that in following him, there's some real challenges in that. And there's some real foundational things that look simple and yet we still struggle in our lives to follow simple things. Simple doesn't necessarily mean easy. Uh, we've looked at a number of different things and this morning we're going to look at the gospel. And so many times you read Matthew 9:35, for example, Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Um, if you look in the book of Matthew, there's actually four times that that pattern exists where they basically say the same thing, that Jesus went through the towns teaching, sharing the gospel of the kingdom and healing. When we look at that picture, quite often we look at it as something for a point of conversion, a point of understanding to accept Jesus. The gospel is something that we often, we often look at um, relative to that point, sharing with someone what it is Jesus has done on the cross so that they can make a decision. And that is the gospel. That's, I'm, not, I'm not underplaying that. But when you look at Jesus' ministry, the gospel of the kingdom was actually fundamental to what he spent his time doing. He spent his time teaching, sharing the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Now, the gospel of the kingdom is language that is almost political talk. It's, it's almost like someone sharing their, their strategy because the good news, the gospel, that's sometimes translated as good news, is actually what a messenger would say when he was going out as a herald to declare that their king has won the victory of the battle and they're now in charge of the, the area. So you would go through the towns and let everybody know the good news. The messenger would go out on behalf of the king and say, guess what? The fight out on the front is over and, and this is now the person who's in charge here. Just to let you know, the good news is that someone is in charge that's, that's probably different to who it was previously. And so that's where it makes sense, the good news of the kingdom. Because a kingdom obviously is an area where a king has dominion, a king has power. So we don't just look at this as a point in time where, where you decide to follow Jesus or not. It's actually a picture to present what it looks like, what Jesus was coming to fulfill. And so there's actually some fundamental ideas in the gospel that aren't just for that point. They're actually overflowing everything that Jesus represents. Because if it's talking about the good news of the kingdom, it's like a politician saying what policies and what things that they're going to implement. But he's going further than that to say, it's here, it's now, it's real, and it's happening. This kingdom exists and it's, it's in action. So I'm going to give you out these sheets. I was going to work through them on, on the screen. but um. So we start with what, what's God's agenda? What is underlying this kingdom? What is underlying his motivation? What is it that is driving him to build a kingdom? Why didn't he just let everybody just do their own thing? And the fundamental reason is because of who he is and what his purpose is. And his agenda has always and will always be love. We read in 1 John 4, 8 to 10, but anyone who does not love 
does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So we can see the little picture in there, not that it's insignificant, but the piece of Jesus dying and raising, being raised from the dead. But we can also see God's bigger picture, that he wants love to be fundamental to his kingdom. And that, that's his agenda. His agenda is for us to experience his love. And if you look at the outcome through Scripture and, and on the back for those who like notes, there's a whole heap of Bible references to these. By the way, it's important to realise that um, this, these, aren't, these aren't everything. So don't think, look at these lists and go, oh, there's one item missing. Or They're not exclusive. They're just a bunch of things that represent this aspect, if that makes sense. So then we get to God's outcome. And God's outcome is a bunch of things of how we experience love. They're all expressions of love. Very diverse, he's very creative, but they are all things, they're all ways that we experience his love. And if we look at God's agenda and God's outcome, they are, they exist. They're not questionable, they're not, they're not maybes, they're, that, that is how it is. And you look in 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, and now these three, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And if you think about the outcomes, you've got John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The victory is done. It's finished. It's there. And so we've got these two they're like pillars. They exist. They are. They can't be moved. They can't be shaken. That is how it is. And in the middle, we've got what I've called God's pathway. And again, I've obviously made Jesus big because he is the centre of it. But don't read too much into, <laughs> into that. It's about the fact that God's agenda is done. We know his agenda. The outcome is done. We know the outcome. And he's provided a way for those things to happen. And these three parts are kind of like the strategy, the, the picture that he paints through the Gospels, through everything that you hear, fits into this framework. Now, this diagram's not in the Bible. It, it represents a whole package of, we, we refer to the Matthew as the Gospel of Matthew, him, him sharing the good news of Jesus. And so this picture, I guess, is painted throughout the whole of Scripture. And the amazing thing is, is that we can actually if we're able to see things through the lens of the gospel, it completely changes how we think about things. Because the gospel is the good news. And the good news is what we've embraced and hold on to as believers. And so as we work out our faith, as we step into our journey, it's actually on the basis of the gospel. Does that make sense? The gospel is the framework, it's the lens in which, through which we see. And so you've got these three parts that are really significant. And the, and the challenge we face is sometimes we question the gospel. Sometimes we're challenged by the gospel. 
sometimes we're unsure of how it fits together. But I think it's really important to recognize the gospel as foundation, as fundamental, as critical to, to growing and to building and to understanding things. You'll see there I've also got a bunch of things that, that challenge that pathway. There's a, there's a bunch of areas that we may identify with some of them, maybe all of them. But through Jesus' ministry, he identified things that challenge the pathway. They can't challenge the agenda or the outcome. They're fixed. They're done. But our journey in that can be questioned and challenged. It's really significant that we identify those challenges, not because they have any power, not because they have any authority, but because Jesus made a point, and I think the significance of him healing, the significance of him demonstrating the gospel, was to show that there was a new way of doing things. When you think about kingdom, I kind of, in my picture, imagine a map where you see the, the area spread out as someone takes over a region and, uh, and they conquer a bit of area here and they conquer a bit of area there and they start to expand. But there was something there beforehand and there'll be something somewhere else afterwards. And so to recognize the perspective of how all these things fit together is a way to try and have a healthy understanding of where we fit in. Because we can very easily get tricked. We can very easily get distracted. I remember a time when I was really struggling to forgive somebody. I was in year 12 and I was applying for university courses. Monash University required that I write an essay as part of my application to get in. And so I'd written this essay and I'd taken it to my um, teacher, my graphics teacher, and said, could you read over this just to you know, check that it's worth submitting? He looked over it and said it was, was really cool and said, go for it. And I found out someone else had been into my locker, grabbed the essay and gone and photocopied it who was also interested in entering this course. And um, I really struggled with that, because now all of a sudden I go, well, maybe I'm going to look like a fraud if there's two copies of the same thing. There was a whole heap of underlying things that I was like, how, do I have to write another one now? How do I know what is done? Like, what, what's happened here? And I, I spoke to him about it. And uh, he said, oh, I just wanted some ideas, so I just thought I'd copy yours. I'd never done this stuff before. I didn't know how it worked. And so for the next month or so, I was kind of... I really struggled with this idea of being undermined. And it might seem insignificant, but at the time, to me, this was my future. This was my life moving forwards. And I couldn't let go of it. And again, now, where I stand, to me, it kind of almost seems petty. But at the time, it was actually very significant to me. And I guess what I'm saying this morning is I wasn't looking at that scenario through the lens of the gospel. I was looking at that scenario through the lens of Matt. I was looking at that scenario through my framework, not through God's framework. And in my framework, there was an injustice there. There was uncertainty. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how I was going to be perceived. But when you all of a sudden move it over to God's framework, those things change completely. This person is valued. My significance is in Christ. This person has some things that they're struggling with, uncertainty about their future as well and feeling incapable of submitting something that they'd written on their own, feeling helpless and powerless. And so all of a sudden, through the lens of the gospel, it's a completely different picture, which I didn't see. I didn't understand. And so as we look at these three pieces, 
God's agenda, his pathway and his outcome, they actually are designed to be a kingdom. They're designed to be a way of everything working and living. And they are good news. They are good news because they are the way it was meant to be, the way it was designed to be. We can also get caught up with this stuff in the church. What songs to sing, how we should pray. We can get caught up with, you know, what messages should we share, what what topics should we talk about. And when we take a step back and realise the gospel, those things don't become insignificant, but they change the way they look and they change the way they feel. Because all of a sudden, it's not about me anymore. It's about a kingdom that's here and is coming. It's about a plan and a purpose with the outcome that's already there that we can be confident in. All of a sudden, our identity isn't about how I'm seen on Sunday morning, how people perceive me. It's not about whether I get all my words right when I share. Because I know that the Spirit is moving and working and is able to, is able to do things that I can't do, that I'm not designed to do. And so the, the perspective changes. Whether the worship is in tune or not doesn't matter so much when you want to worship a God and you're passionate about it. When the two, three weeks ago the power goes out halfway during the service, doesn't matter, doesn't change the agenda, doesn't change what we're doing here because the structure is right, the structure is healthy, the, the framework on which we're thinking and acting is the gospel. In our relationships, we can easily get caught up with things that work and don't work and, you know, this person talks too much, that person doesn't talk enough. And, but when we look at, at look at people through the gospel, they change. They look different when you look at them through the gospel. The way we interact with people changes when we look at people through the gospel. If you head over to the back, you'll see all those words and references to each one of those things and the significance of them. It's a very, very well-crafted kingdom. It's a very well-planned kingdom that is perfect. And it kind of makes sense that a perfect God makes a perfect plan. But so often we're not confident or steady on our feet because we don't look at things through the gospel. If you look at some of those barriers, some of those things that challenge, all of those have been overcome. All of those things in that list have already been overcome. And again and again, Jesus says, the part that we play is to believe. Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe that those things are overcome? Do you believe that those outcomes are a reality? He calls us to believe and then gives us all these things as part of his plan. I just really encourage you right now just to have a look at those lists. Some of them may agitate a little bit. Some of them may resonate, excite you. But I think as we face challenges, adversity, things that we may have not experienced before, we've got to have the gospel as our foundation. It wasn't just for us to meet Jesus. It was for us to live out our faith. It wasn't just a moment in time where God met us. It was representing what's to come. And so most of the time, our struggles, our challenges change perspective when we look at it through the gospel. You might have heard that we're made up of kind of 
three components, a body, a soul, and a spirit. We like to divide them up. (laughs) They're actually all connected. So when your body's hurting, guess what? You don't feel so good. (laughs) Your feelings are affected. When you're emotionally broken, you can be sick in your stomach. When you're spiritually feeling weak, you're emotionally can feel challenged too. You can be vulnerable. And all those things are are linked. But all those things, again, every aspect of us, God has designed and planned in the gospel. He's designed for our physical well-being, for our emotional, mental... uh, um, What's the other third part? Emotional, mental, will. Mind, will, and emotion. Um, Those three things are designed in the gospel, and our spirits are designed in the gospel. His strategy is good. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you so much that you have a plan. You had a plan. You still have a plan. And Lord, we have things that you've given us passions about and things that you've excited us with and things that we're still challenged by, Lord, and still working on. But we want to acknowledge this morning, Lord God, that your plan is a good plan. Your plan is a right plan. And Lord, when we talk about good news, we want to acknowledge, Lord, that it is good news, that it it represents a kingdom, Father, that we don't see in the world, but we see in you. And we see in our brothers and sisters that have given their lives up for the kingdom. Father, we just ask that we would have a new understanding of your gospel. Lord, we ask that you would continue to reveal your gospel to us. You would continue to help us understand the significance of the gospel in our lives. And we're so thankful and grateful that a significant part of your picture is your grace and your mercy, that you have forgiven us. And Lord, we don't want to hold on to things that aren't part of who we are, that aren't part of who you've set us apart to be. And so, Father, we pray that by your spirit, you would continue to help us understand, to help us see, to help us trust you, to help us believe what it is you've called us to and what it is that you're building. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing I've wrestled with in putting this together is the challenge of our society. When I look around and I look at the good news and I look at that list, a lot of the people I know that list wouldn't be good news to them. And that, that weighs heavy. That idea that what people are seeking is not the kingdom, is not what God designed for them. And I know it's the best plan, but not only does it not look like the best plan, it has no desire in people's lives. That really troubled me. But one of the most significant things of this gospel is, A, we didn't design it. B, we didn't execute it. And see, God's still making it happen. And so, again, looking at that grief, looking at that frustration, looking at that sense of how can we call this good news when so many people don't appreciate it, don't understand it, is actually recognizing that it is a kingdom that is still coming. It's not complete. It's not finished. We know the building blocks are there. We know that they're immovable, that God is already victorious. And yet there is still an exercising that God is doing, that God's spirit is doing, that we're actually joining his plan, not him joining ours, that we've been invited to participate 
in his plan, in his purpose, in his kingdom. And I think that gives us a hope and a joy that we won't find in our own abilities, that we won't find in our own capacity to talk to our neighbours and convince them that we're, we've got something worth offering them. But it is something we can stand confidently in because God does. And when he calls us to pray, he says, the way we should pray is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's that sense of we start by worshipping and acknowledging who he is and then saying, we want your kingdom. We want to be part of your kingdom. We want your kingdom to be represented here. And so that's our position. Our position is to embrace, is to trust, is to hope, is to obey. And all the aspects of understanding, loving your neighbour and walking with the Spirit and being obedient and and all those things just slot into the gospel. They just fit beautifully in to what God has designed for his purposes. I guess I just want to conclude by saying it is good news. Yeah? We can get down. We can get frustrated. We can, you know, I'm sure there's days that you've kind of gone, the church isn't what it's meant to be. I've had those days too. And I've gone, people aren't what they're meant to be. They're not walking the way they're meant to be. And I'm not walking the way I'm meant it, The good news is still good news. It's not about us. It's about him. Don't forget the significance of the gospel. Don't forget the significance of that every day in our lives. Don't forget that it is good news to be celebrated. Every day you wake up, you can celebrate the fact that the gospel is good news. That we live in a kingdom that's not of this world. And it's growing, it's expanding, and God's moving and God's working. As much as you will be deceived and, and, and tricked into thinking that it's hopeless, the good news is still the good news. And it's worth holding on to, it's worth fighting for, it's worth representing, it's worth standing up for when it's challenged. It's really quite funny that I've seen in myself, I was saying to this someone the other day, that there'll be something that'll happen. Maybe it's a message that's given. There where you go, hang on, I didn't agree with that. That's not how it should be. And yet you'll walk into a movie, watch a movie and come out that was absolute and complete rubbish. And you won't question it. So we start nitpicking about things. And I'm not saying that, that we don't, we care. We take every thought captive and, and we need to care about what we say and, and how we operate as a body. I'm not undermining that at all. But what I am saying is there are some big things that are wrong. And yet we often ignore them. We often let them just slip through to the keeper. That's all right. I know it was rubbish, but oh well, I just wasted two hours of my time. And so sometimes we can have that distorted perspective of what's important and what's not important, what it's worth fighting for and what it's not worth fighting for. And when you look through that list of outcomes, there's a lot of things there worth fighting for. And often the things we're wrestling with aren't on that list. They're not part of God's outcome. They're part of us working through what it means to be following him, but they're not where he's aiming for us to be at the end. We're going to um, just spend a little bit of time worshipping. I just really encourage you just to pause, just to spend a little bit of time, as I said before, just looking through those lists, just reflecting on your experience of the gospel, reflecting on your understanding of God's big picture, God's big plan, what it is you trust, what it is you struggle with, and just ask the Spirit just to speak into that space. Because as much as I can show you a pretty diagram, it's meaningless the piece of paper is insignificant compared to the truth of what God, who God is and what God is doing.
And so these are just words on a paper. And we can pull it apart and go, identity, don't understand that. Or it's not about an intellectual exercise. It's a picture that hopefully leads to something much more significant. And that is our understanding of the fact that God is in control. He has a plan and a purpose and he's executing it brilliantly. Brilliantly.